The right business partner can accelerate the success of your business and the wrong one can put it into a death spiral. Yikes, what are you supposed to do? Well, next up, today's guests are two business partners who've been in business together for 14 years and they'll share the secret to what makes their partnership such a success. This is Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hassel-Kelchner, giving you the inside scoop on how to ignite more business success by doing the right things in the right way. Brought to you by Business MO LLC. Today's guests are Betsy Polk and Maggie Chotis. They help leaders lead better, and they do it through their consulting work at the Mulberry Partners. And while we could certainly talk about the leadership development work they do for their clients and their many professional accomplishments, the story behind the story today is the genesis and longevity of their remarkable business partnership. You see, Betsy and Maggie are childhood friends. They made a promise back in high school after partnering on a class project that one day they'd go in business together. Now, I don't know about you, but my best friend from high school and I went to the same college, and we were actually roommates for a semester. Yes, only one semester. (laughs) And I can tell you that being best friends and being roommates in a really competitive college situation was mixing oil and water. It didn't go so well. And so the friendship was never the same again. And as a lawyer, I've seen a number of partnerships, and I'm going to use that term loosely to include everything from business relationships with affiliates, distributors, supplier relationships, to formal partnerships, those entities, and watch them go south. That's why I was so intrigued by Betsy and Maggie's business partner success story, especially since they co-authored a book about the subject. Actually, it's an award-winning book called Power Through Partnership. So let's bring them on now to learn more about the secret to their success. Welcome to Business Confidential Now, Betsy and Maggie. Thank you, Hannah. Great to be here. Thank you. Great to be here. Well, it's wonderful to have you here, and I'd like to... Start by talking about your partnership journey, because you didn't just graduate high school and then next week start a business together. Tell us how it happened. With our partnership project in high school, we did have this promise to ourselves that we would work together for real one day. And then we went off to our respective colleges and our respective careers, and Betsy went into um, organization development consulting And I went into education as a teacher and then a school leader. And it was 2002, we found ourselves back in North Carolina after we'd been in different places. We'd grown up in Charlotte, and then we'd gone out and then lived in a lot of different places. And we came back, and we were in the same area code for the first time in a really long time. And and we started thinking, well, what, what are we waiting for? This has always been a dream of ours. My mom, who's a therapist, is you know she said for years that when women think about starting something new, they think they need one more thing, one more degree or one more credential, and men tend to just do it, just make it happen. And so that really inspired Betsy and me to make it happen, to take this long-term dream that we had about you know having a, a professional business relationship and figuring out what what that would be, how we would bring our complementary skills and backgrounds to the fore, how we could work together, how we would leverage that friendship into a business partnership. And that's when we started Mulberry. And we started with 
organization development for schools, building on Betsy's background in um, organization development and my background in education. And we started there, and we've grown the business from that very beginning, um, working with clients in schools. Interesting. So is that how you remember it, Betsy? That's how I remember it. <laughs> well, that's, that's good. You're on the same page. That's, that's, as it happened. <laughs> that's as it happened. <laughs> so, okay, you decided you were going to make it happen, but you didn't all go in there blindly because I know that we had chatted no. earlier. You did some homework up front. Tell me about some of the what-if conversations that you had because you you didn't want to ruin your friendship. Right, right. And I had, working in the world of consulting, I had worked with a couple of different businesses that had been partnership-based, and I had seen firsthand um, the, the negative rippling effects of partnerships that, get, that don't work. And so I, you know, I entered the partnership with that caution, and we both entered with you know, different sets of cautions. And we really you know, knew that our friendship was important to preserve, and we wa- wanted to make sure that we did. And we looked around for resources that would speak to that, that would help us put steps in place to ensure that, that there wasn't anything. So we sat down at Maggie's kitchen table, and we just started thinking through every kind of possible what-if situation we could think of. Um, what if, for example, what if we you know, got stuck in a, in a um, a situation where we both agreed fervently about we both were you know stuck on our own individual opinions and couldn't get past them and so we decided that, that you know that we would have a mediator and we thought of who that mediator would be and we um, both agreed on who that mediator would be and we actually you know years later we're telling that story in a you know in a presentation and our mediator was in the audience and we realized we had never told him that he was our mediator. <laughs> so and we never got to that point. We never used him. Right? We have not yeah. used him yet as our mediator. But um, we always thought, you know, we knew that that was kind of what we would call on if we, you know, we would call on, on him if we needed. And um, so we, but we really just thought of everything. We had all the conversations that are tough to have amongst friends. You know, that was kind of the dividing line. We talked about money and we talked about values and we talked about what we really wanted wanted to accomplish and we imagined what the road would look like in two years and 10 years and um, we talked about what if one of us you know got sick what if one of us was run over by a car you know just all the things that are really tough to think about we had to think about because we knew that just having the conversations would help us prepare for um, strengthening our partnership so we just down. Now I have to also say that this was all really productive, and we were really we were very intentional about doing this. And we created um, a document that we both signed that became our initial partnership agreement. But we also know that there's a caveat to doing too much what if thinking, and that is you know sometimes people can get stuck in that and can get so caught up in the what ifs that they never get past them to actually make things happen. So we were also very careful about not letting that happen. That we were doing the what ifs in service to moving forward. And we also made a conscious decision that we would not start our business for a year. That was our original agreement. That we wouldn't start our business for a year. We would really build the infrastructure. And then our first client came to us in six months and we said, okay, well, we're, we probably are ready now. And we moved forward and worked with our first client. So when you talked about infrastructure, uh, so, what, what did you mean by infrastructure? We wanted to make sure that we had, we knew what our collaboration was going to look like, 
how we were going to make decisions together. I mean, we from the very beginning, we wanted a 50-50 partnership. And so we wanted to really understand what that was going to look like. We wanted to get our website started. We wanted to have marketing collateral. We wanted to have a sense of what our process would be as we worked with clients. So we did, as Betsy said, we put in a lot of work in advance. You know, what is our business plan? What are our projections? How are we going to build up the the capital and support that we need um, to be able to be the business that we wanted to be? And we, we talked through a lot of uh, I think we were. What really strikes me about that time was how honest we were mm-hmm. with where we were individually and professionally, and what we wanted from the partnership and from the business. Remarkably honest. I mean, and, and a funny thing about that first partnership agreement was uh, the bank required it for us to open our first business checking account. So you know, we we were thinking these things anyway, and then they required it, and that was great because it forced us to write things down. And then we put it in the in the bank vault, and then a few years later, we went to actually find the, the partnership agreement, and the bank had been sold, and they didn't have our agreement. <laughs> but we had it all in our head. We took that to into our hearts and, and used that as the basis of so many things, even though we had, the, the written copy had gotten lost along the way. Well, I hope they still had your money. <laughs> oh, they had our money, yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. They didn't lose that. Oh, <laughs> and also that honesty that Maggie talked about, I mean, it was the candor and the honesty that we had. I mean, that really, what, if you can have that kind of honest, candid conversation at that point, then that's something we easily were able to hold on to. Yeah. You know? Well, I commend you for that, that because became... I think people are afraid sometimes. They're so eager to put on their best face, kind of like dating, mm-hmm. you know, so that these mm-hmm. habits, mm-hmm. and you, you knew each other beforehand, so that that may have helped in terms of preferences. But let me ask you, when you were having these conversations were either of you surprised about what the other told you? Well, yeah, I'm surprised by how in sync. I'm just thinking we were maybe how in sync we were and how honest we were. But I just wanted to go back to what you were saying, Hannah, about the fact that we were friends. They made that easier. I think sometimes it can make it a lot harder because yeah. you know you don't you know you're kind of walking on ice sometimes and you don't want to ruin the friendship. So you might you know we've known of other partners who started as friends, and that didn't work. And as you said, like with your college roommate, your high school friend, because you're trying so hard to keep the friendship, you work harder not to say what you have to say to bring that up, and we knew that we couldn't afford to do that. Right, and Betsy, I think because of the experience, particularly because of what you had observed in a couple of different situations, you brought that to the, the business partnership in a way that was so important. That's fabulous, because so many business partnerships don't think it's going to happen to them. Right. right, right. And so you saw good people wind up in places they didn't want to be, and, and sometimes the dynamic just takes over. Mm-hmm. Right. By the way, what were some and of those mistakes that you saw these other partnerships make? A lot of it's about communication, making assumptions. In both in these two cases, these were partners who had worked together closely, um, geographically closely, and then had worked farther and farther apart from each other. And the communication they had relied on, well, actually, one of the partnerships was like that. The other partnership had always been remote. Um, But they, I think there are a lot of communication errors that happen in the gaps (laughs) between them um, in terms of what they assumed about the other one. Um, In one case, it was very much, well, in both cases, ego got in the way, where one partner really wanted to achieve something beyond the best interest of the partnership and was pushing for that in the ways that conflicted with what the partners really had agreed to. 
a lot of things that went on, and also, you know, going back to what we're talking about, a lot of things that went unspoken, you know, rather than saying what had to be said, the partners just kind of squelched those things. I mean, I remember there were communications in one case where every time the partner, because one of them was quite a while ago, and it was before email, really, uh, was rampant. And so there were more, you know, fax communications, et cetera. And so many of the communications were around, the, the body of the communication would be about these very, you know, heavy weighted assumptive messages and then the the greeting would be you know dear such and such and the and then the um the signature would be sending you lots of love <laughs> you know these oh, very wow. kind and <laughs> it's like wait a minute yeah so this kind of this tap dance around yeah, um Right. Well, and the the tap dance like I really don't want to mess up this friendship but here's what I have to say but mm. hope it's all okay. Yeah, the the sandwich, the good news, the really bad news you could mm-hmm. choke on, and then, oh, mm-hmm. hugs and kisses. <laughs> yes. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, but we all know what the real message is. And and that's a shame because those those are probably communications that are best had face-to-face instead of over right. a fax or exactly. an email or a voicemail or a text message You yep. know, using today's technology. Right. Right. So how do mm-hmm. you, between the two of you, Keep the ego in check, because let's face it, we all have one, and it's not a bad thing, Mm -hmm. but how do you keep the business interest front and center and number one? Well, that that is something that we've worked incredibly hard to do. I mean, the number one thing is that we have the work that we, the work that's done through Mulberry goes to Mulberry. So we have that primary in our mind is that this is, this is the entity that we care about. You know, this is, this is our bread and butter. This is where our work is happening. So, you know, that that in and of itself having, when we take sideline, pro, you know, when we do work, like if we do individual coaching work, for example, and that still is fed into Mulberry. So we're very, very mindful about having, keeping the entity front and center um, in that respect. And we, we, Perhaps, I mean, we are so close to Mulberry since it is, it was our idea back in 2002. We crafted it from the very beginning. We, you know, we, we've learned so much along the way since, you know, since in this time. We've given so much to this, the organization that we care so much. And one of the, one of the things that we will do and we learned how to do over the years was to realize that both of all, I mean, we, yes, we do have egos and those, you know, every once in a while something will come out that might be ego driven. And the way we talk about it is in terms of that question, well, what is best for Mulberry? And validating that each of us want what's best for Mulberry because we're so highly invested in it. But putting that, ta- that question on the table, okay, let's see, well, what, what is it that we're looking to accomplish here and why? And how does this move the business forward? That becomes the, the refrain that we will just keep coming back to. And, you know, while there might be like personal things that might come up and kind of bubble, bubble up through the business, um, unfortunately, I was diagnosed with leukemia back in 2007, and that was a bump in the Mulberry Road. And because we had that commitment to the business, we figured out how we were going to make that, how we were going to navigate that, you know, how we were going to keep the business central, even though, you know, life threw some things our way that made things challenging. Wow. That's a tough diagnosis. I hope you're okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm doing great now. Thank you. Wow, I'm glad glad Completely to hear that. 
completely free. (laughs) That's terrific. That's terrific. So let me ask both of you. We have some listeners out there, and maybe they're thinking about a partnership. It could be an affiliate arrangement, whatever, but it's something that's very central to their business. And maybe it is the kind of partnership that you have where somebody is 50-50. And I know, I'll tell you, most lawyers would not advise 50-50 because of the deadlock. Uh, uh, Your mediator story just tickled me because (laughs) they didn't even know they would be the (laughs) tiebreaker. Although a mediator really is (laughs) not an arbiter. That was the word I was looking for, deadlock. Pardon me? Deadlock is just the word that I was looking for earlier, right? Okay. But have you had any deadlocks? You've you've worked through them on your own. Well, it's interesting. We had an experience. As Maggie said, we did create our partnership to be 50-50, and we did put in place a mediator in case we got deadlocked. And then we wrote a book about a book called Power Through Partnership, How Women Lead Better Together. And we assumed in writing the book and in all the parts involved in writing a book, the many, many parts, that we would continue to be 50-50 because that's how we've been for years. And we realized that that didn't work anymore in that context because we were, you know, as we were writing, you know, one of us would write and then the other one would <laughs> rewrite, have her ideas <laughs> and take out everything that the other one had just written because, you know, it was a growing process. And then the other one would say, but where, where is this idea? And then, you know, and it became this recursive, painful process. Um, and yeah. it did, it, and it does speak to ego and it does speak to all these things, yes. you know, about and so we realized that this wasn't working, and Maggie was the one who kind of who held it up and said, look, we, this 50-50 thing isn't working right now, and it made sense for the book to be, for one of us to be the lead author and for me to be the lead author, um, and we, you know, we had to go back and forth about that and figure that out, but that was really what made sense, and once we came to terms with that, we were like, yeah, and once we came to terms with this assumption that we'd always had about the way our partnership would work, that that assumption wasn't working in this setting, and that this was the way it could work a whole lot better, it just made an enormous difference. It changed everything about the way we wrote the book, about what the book was. It, so I think that story has a lot of stories in it, but um, it, it, tells, <laughs> it answers your question about what happens when there's a deadlock. Right, right. And the flexibility, which is a benefit of partnership, is is having that flexibility. And part of the flexibility is knowing when to say when. Because, and I'm so glad you brought up that example, Betsy, because this is a very different skill that was needed for writing the book, right, than in our other other parts of our business. And for us to approach it in the same way, it was just driving us both crazy. I mean, it we were both highly invested um, and putting a lot of time and energy into it, but it just wasn't working. And given that this, the, book, the book was Betsy's idea from probably like, I don't know, month three in our partnership perhaps, and just Betsy could see it all along and had such a clear, compelling vision for why the book needed to be written and, and why you know we couldn't find anything like this when we started our business and and how important it was to tell our story and collect other people's stories about how they made their partnerships work i mean given all that she had put into it i mean we're both excellent writers so it had nothing to do with you know one of us being a better writer than the other it's just betsy had the passion and the energy and the initiative, and it would have never happened without Betsy from the beginning. So in that case, it just made perfect sense that she would be the lead author. Right, and if Maggie hadn't been able to say, 
look, this isn't working. You know, you need to be the lead author here. You know, um, then that would have, then we would have just kept going in a circle because I don't know that I would have said that. Amazing and clear sighted of Maggie to be able to step back and say that and to call oh. the dynamic and end the dynamic before it drove us both mad. Right, because that could have that could have had. I mean, yeah, it would have been ironic if I. <laughs> If our partnership had broken up over writing a book well, we over said that at the time. Yeah, we said that. We said we're not we don't want that to happen. Yeah, that that yeah. wouldn't be good for marketing the book. <laughs> no. Right. Yeah, right. It's a book on partnership, but the partnership broke up. No. Of course not. Yeah, but right. but we you know, that, that helps illustrate though why f- for many other partnerships it's really valuable to set healthy boundaries around areas of expertise. You know, somebody may have a stronger skill set in marketing. So when it comes to a gridlock on a marketing decision, they'll have the final vote. They'll have the 51% Mm -hmm. at that particular point in time. And someone else may be very good dealing with human resource issues and the employee type of issues. That's great. Someone else has the expertise with sales and so forth. So being able to know what your real strengths and weaknesses are, and more important, what the other complementary skill sets are, where they may be a little stronger or have more vision than you do, there's nothing wrong with that as much as recognizing it so that as your business is going, I mean, it, it can cause gridlock and in the worst case, bring things into a death spiral if partners are bickering back and forth and can't come to an agreement because then more ego takes over as opposed to mm-hmm. the skill set and what's really in the best interest of the company. So yeah. anyhow, I applaud your ability for, for being able to have that self-awareness and being able to collaborate the way you have. I want to go back to a question I started and <laughs> got uh, went down a little different path. But for, for listeners who are anticipating or wanting to enter a partnership, because they don't want to be a solopreneur, they realize that somebody else can bring more to the party than what their own skill set has. I mean, we're, we're stronger together than we are alone. And so being able to partner is a fabulous way to strengthen and grow your business. But as I said in the intro, it's got to be the right partners. So right. what criteria should people be looking for? What do you recommend? Well, I think... A primary indicator is the ability to have that conversation that Ma- or those conversations that Maggie and I had in the beginning of our partnership and have had throughout our partnership to be able to test the waters and to be honest. And you know, and one way to test that out because sometimes you don't know that until you've actually done the work is to have a pilot. You know, we had we had a pilot project, a proposal that we developed together, uh, and many of the partners we've talked with had pilots. One had a pilot for years where they were able to test out the partnership with stakes being lower and say, does this work? What works about this? What skills are we bringing? What do we need? What isn't, you know, what's getting in our way? Is it worth it? We really recommend the pilot highly, and we recommend that litmus test being very much focused on are you able to honestly have conversations? Are you able to step back and focus on what the shared purpose is that you're trying to create together? Are you fully committed to doing your part in doing that? Are you willing to invest your ego in that versus your ego in your own purpose, which is kind of a hard thing to answer, but can get answered by testing out that pilot. And you know, and you might not have the same values and that's 
okay, but are your values in sync enough? Are you able to look at what your values are, what the core values are, and are they in sync enough to support each other in creating the entity that you want to create or furthering the work that you want to do? Terrific. Maggie, is there anything you could add to that? I would just I would echo the importance of the honesty about what what you want. What do you want from the entity you're creating? What do you want from the partnership? What do you need? You know, if there are financial ramifications that are having right. an impact on your business, you know, being upfront about that, just putting the I mean, this this is where, you know, the business partnership is you're sharing a lot of really personal information. So um, the trust, has, you have to be able to trust the person that you're working with, the people that you're working with, so that you can put the, what, what the needs are on the table. And then being clear with yourself and with the partner about what you're willing to give, you know, what you're willing to invest financially, what you're willing to invest um, emotionally in terms of energy, um, Putting, putting that on the table. And it really does start with the, the individual first. I mean, you have to be willing to have these conversations. You know, you have to be willing to go there in your mind first um, before it's like any, you know, close relationship um, to, to be honest with yourself and then look to share that honesty with, you, with your partner. Because your, your relationship, your reputation is, in, in this kind of partnership where, you know, as, as the co-presidents of our business, I mean, our reputations are so intertwined with each other. I mean, people confuse us, you know, there's, so they call me Betsy, they call Betsy Maggie, that, you know, we, we are one, even though we know we're individuals, but in terms of the, how, what we're projecting forward, it, it's two of us are one. That's fascinating. Sometimes they just call us Betsy. Metsy. Uh, we have clients who, can, who have find our names yeah. called, called us Metsy because that was just easier. Yeah. Which is better than, than Baggy. We, we definitely right, agree. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll, that's interesting because you, you're, both, <laughs> exactly. you're both agents of the, of the business. I mean, you represent to, right. to the outside world. You are the business. So it's we wonderful that you're interchangeable in their mind, at least, because that really suggests a very high level of consistency. So again, that, that is to your credit. Good for you. Kudos. Definitely. Thank you. Definitely. Thank well, you. we're starting to run out of time. We're definitely going to have a link to your book on uh, the episode ba- page at businessconfidentialradio.com. The book Power Through Partnership. I understand some of it is focused on women partnering, but there's a lot of nuggets in there that are applicable to men as well because there's an element of consistency as far as partnerships and what makes them successful. Certainly the self-awareness, the importance of being able to trust your partner and being able to trust that, that you can share openly and honestly and have that transparency so that there's no surprises because the more that's invested, the bigger and more expensive those surprises get and nobody likes that. So again, the book is Power Through Partnership, and we'll have the link at businessconfidentialradio.com. But before we wrap up here, I am curious because it's really inspiring to hear about a partnership such as yours when you see the you know, the bleached bones of partnerships on the journey to business entrepreneurship on the both side. You know, there's tons of them. And it's a shame because so many of them start with the greatest of intentions. Some of them survive the hiccups. Some of them don't. 
And that to me is sad because it has such a ripple effect, not just for the business potential that could have been, but for the lives that are impacted, the families, the children, the individual careers of the partners that wind up taking a detour and sometimes it, mm-hmm. it really derails their career tremendously. So to me, that is just such wasted potential. Mm-hmm. But tell me about someone who has influenced yeah. your career. Betsy, you want to start? Well, you know, I have a, a mother who, um, when I, you know, you asked this question, and I really was thinking about, you know, people who are out there in the public sphere. And then I realized that probably my my biggest influencer is my mother, um, and for the usual mother ways, but also <laughs> because my mother um, is a very strong advocate for things that mothers aren't always associated with being advocates for. For example, my mother is a huge believer that guilt is a wasted emotion, you know, and she really emphasizes throughout my growing up years and my sister's growing up years that there's no sense spending time regretting something or feeling unnecessary guilt for it. Um, and I think she, you know, when she says guilt, she means wasting time feeling regret for something that you can't unregret, you know, versus moving forward. And I think that's a really important thing. I mean, not that you, you, you can, we all have consciences and can feel badly about something, but to spend unnecessarily, unnecessary time trying to fix the unfixable is a is a waste of our emotion when we can be putting that into something that we can do something about. And then she also, um, with that, a, a favorite quote of my mother's that is now a favorite quote of mine is, um, no one can make you feel intimidated without your consent by Eleanor Roosevelt. And that idea of, it's, you know, the opportunity is yours to step into. Rather than letting yourself be intimidated, by something. We all have those moments of doubt. We all have those moments of lack of confidence. And it's our opportunity to step into something and to try it out. Those are the things I really hold on to. And I have my mother to thank for that. She is a wise woman. Wise woman. Yeah, definitely. I can see how that's inspirational. And and, uh, definitely would agree with that's that sentiment about guilt. A lot of people, they just wallow in guilt and have trouble moving forward. So definitely move forward. Maggie, how about you? Well, Diane Rehm is on my mind lately because, one, she just stepped down from her daily radio show, um, the Diane Rehm Show. And as a person, I find her just so inspiring and as a career person as well. I mean, that that she she came to radio late. Um, it was a, a passion of hers, but not something that she was trained in. In fact, she didn't even go to college. I mean, she was a high school graduate, but she, you know, she um, was a homemaker and then started volunteering at her local uh, radio station, WAMU, way back in the day, and grew into this national voice um, that just really promoted uh, civil conversation and really affirming um, for her for her listeners, for her guests, and I, I just so appreciate the way she brought in different voices to be heard, and also she was clear on when things crossed the line. I mean, that there were times when she would say, wait a minute, you know, we're not going there. So she wasn't a pushover by any stretch of the imagination, and yet she had this openness to her and I, I listened to the last radio show when she had, you know, all these people calling in to say, and so many people who called in, she would say to them, you know, and these were, you know, very 
high-level folks, either at NPR or in politics, or you know that she'd interviewed over the years, and she ended the call with them with "I love you," and I just thought that I mean that that she could bring such a level of professionalism and caring um, to her, her work was so inspiring to me, and also her her persistence and over you know her own travails with her. I mean, her husband died. Um, you know, she lost her voice and had to have a lot of different voice treatments, and she just kept going. You know, she just kept going. She didn't give up. So uh, I'm holding uh, Diane Reem up at this point. And understandably why, yeah, for for sure. But as an interesting theme, you know, you, you both are inspired by by uh, by quotes and by individuals that have encouraged you to look forward. And that's wonderful. And that, I think, is also a cornerstone yeah. of your partnership. You know, how can you work through things, having the open the transparency? And I love your suggestion about people entering or thinking about partnering, engaging in a pilot project as sort of a test run, a dry run. You know, maybe it's like getting mm-hmm. engaged, you know. <laughs> Don't get married yet. Just yeah. get engaged or date that's for right. a while. Right. Um, see yeah, if it's exactly. working. See if you're compatible. See what happens when a problem arises, how you react. Because how you say you're going to react and how you really do is sometimes different because we can all put on that persona right. uh, and then real life kicks you in the teeth. So anyhow, keep up that's the great right. work, ladies. I'm sure that our listeners have learned a lot from your story and Carry on. This is fabulous. Thank you so much for being part of this program today. Well, thank you, thank you for the opportunity. A wonderful yeah. conversation, and this is a delight. Thank you for joining me today. You can get more information about today's guest and the show notes on our website, businessconfidentialradio.com. And connect with me on social media. I'd love to hear from you and stay in touch. Next week, Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hazel Kelchner. We'll be back with more business information and inside scoop you need to succeed in your business. Till then. <laughs>